We're talking about the power of your confession. I believe this is week four. The first two weeks, the Lord had me talk a lot about what the word of God says about our words. That life and death is in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 20, and 21, right? Well, we've learned that that power, that word power, it not only means power, that's an accurate translation, but it also means direction. Whatever direction you speak is the direction it's going to take your life, but it also means hand. It also means that your words will hand you life or will hand you death. So we determine that we're pretty smart. We're just going to choose life with our words, right? I mean, why? I'm not going to let myself hand myself death anymore. You can do that, right, by saying, oh, this isn't going to work out. I can't do this. This, this part of my body's really killing me. No. You're not, even to tell, you're not even to tell others how you feel. You're to tell your body how it's going to feel. Amen? So we've learned that God said this back in Numbers all the way through the New Testament. He said this, you will have what you say. What you say in God's ears, he will allow it in your life. Isn't that amazing? So you'll have whatever you say. That's amazing. Do you realize that Joshua 1.5 is true? When God told Joshua, no man would ever be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And that word stand before you means, Josh, nobody's going to be able to block you from doing what I've called you to do. Because as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And we could take that scripture and know that nothing can stop you in this earth. Nothing. Well, there is one thing. I should mention one thing. You all brought it tonight. It's an inch underneath your nose. Every problem in your life will start there. Or you can get rid of every problem in your life with your mouth. So you choose that, right? So we went through that. I want to encourage you. Those would be great messages. You know, if there's one thing about when you preach the word, the more you listen to it, the better it gets. So if you want, you want me to preach better, this is, how you, this is how I'll preach better. Just listen to the messages more. And it'll just, it'll get better and better and better. Or if you, you know, if you live down south, it'll get gooder and gooder and gooder. Well, you know, however, however you want to say it that way. Praise God. We went into, you know, the book of Romans because when we look at our speech, you know, go to Romans chapter 10. That's where we're supposed to go. We'll go to Romans chapter 10 to start this out. When you look at your speech, this is what you don't want to do. You don't want to leave this place and go, okay, I am going to make a decision here that I'm just going to, on my own, in my own strength, I am going to speak correctly. You know, and, and you focus just on your words. Well, good luck with that. So you want to do all this in the strength of the Lord, but there's a progression in Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 6, it says, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, or in English, or in modern English, it would say, the righteousness which is of faith speaks this way. Now, we're talking about the power of our confession. The word confession is the Greek word homo logeo. 
It means to say the same thing. We learn from all this that our confession, what we say, we are to only say what God says. Okay? So now, if you're born again, you were made the very righteousness of God in Christ. What did you have to do to get born again? To be made the righteousness of God in Christ. You had to simply believe what God said. And when you believed, okay, God, I believe it. I believe Jesus lived on this earth, died on a cross. You rose him from the dead. I believe that. I believe he's seated in heaven at your right hand right now. And now, because of that, I confess what you say. Jesus, you are Lord of all, and you're my Lord. Come into my heart, make me new. When I did that, what happened is the Holy Spirit of God came into my physical body, took out this spirit man that was spiritually dead and separated from God. Took him, he's gone forever. And I was born again, a brand new species of being, an original form, one that's never existed before. The Holy Spirit put a brand new spirit in, in this physical body, and then the Holy Spirit took up residency inside of me. I was not clothed in the righteousness of God. I was made his very righteousness. All I had to do was believe that by faith. So now Romans 10.6 is saying the righteousness which is of faith speaks this way. So what this is telling us as believers is if you're born again, this is the way you talk. This is the way. See, I am. I have been made the righteousness of God. My spirit is the righteousness of God. Well, how does my spirit speak? It speaks this way. Now, the rest of chapter 6, or verse 6 and verse 7, tells us how it doesn't speak. Okay? But we're going to just skip down to verse 8, where it says, But what saith it? What does the righteousness which is of faith say? Or, you could say it this way, How would my spirit man want to talk? How would my spirit man talk? Because my spirit man's the righteousness of God. This is how it would talk. The word is near me. That's the first thing it would say. If, you're, if, coming, if something's coming out of your mouth that's not the word is near me, guess what? You're speaking out of your flesh, which is going to lead you down a wrong road. Your spirit's always going to say things like, the word is near me. Where is it? I'm so glad you asked, right? It's even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. We always preach the word of faith. Notice, isn't it amazing that Kenneth Hagin didn't come up with that? That's, that's a God thing, right? The Bible is the word of faith. Because when you hear God's word, faith is always produced when you hear it. So your spirit man is going to speak this way. 
The word is near me. It's in my mouth and it's in my heart. That's what it's always going to say. So now jump down to verse 10, or I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 13. Go five more verses. And now it's going to give us this progression. And you've heard me teach on this. It seems like the Lord is always bringing me back to this. But this is a progression that you'll never be able to break free from. It's just the way it works. So we're talking about the power of our confession. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice, it's impossible for you to be saved until you call. The funny thing about that word saved is it just doesn't mean going to heaven. It means prosperity. So you could say it this way. It'll be impossible for you to prosper in God until you say. Oh, by the way, it, it means healing, wholeness, strength, safety, right? All of these different things. It's impossible for you and I to walk in this until we say. You will have, what does Mark chapter 11 talk about, right? Verse 20, 23 says this, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith, or he will have whatever he says. Isn't that good news? So this is whoever shall call will be saved. Notice it didn't say 99%. No, it said whoever. This is whosoever. Whosoever. So that puts the ball in our court. How much of salvation you walk in, how much of your salvation is completely up to you. There is no such thing as a no-fault gospel where, well, you know, if God wants me healed, I just would be healed. Father, you know, I'm sick. Please heal me if it be thy will. God doesn't even hear that prayer because it's not prayed according to his will, right? His will is found in his word, and his word says, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. That Jesus himself bore my sickness, carried my pain, right? So now, it, I know his will, so now, Father, I just, right now, I have sickness and disease in my body. It has no legal right there. I believe what your word says, that 2,000 years ago, Jesus himself bore my sickness, carried my pain. So right now, Father, I make a demand for, I require, I call for. In other words, I believe that I receive my healing tonight in my body. And I know when I say that, I know that I know that I know because he never lies, he can't lie. His word is forever settled in heaven. I know now that whoever, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I know the minute I say that, the healing power of God comes out of my spirit, man, into my body and starts working and affecting a cure in me. Amen. Right? And you could, the same thing with finances. The same thing with everything. But whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then it says this, but how shall they call on him? in whom they've not believed. In other words, in order to call, you have to believe. Or in other words, you are only going to say what you believe. 
Does that make sense? So the believing part is really, really important. But then it goes, it's going, it goes a little deeper though. But then it says, and how shall they believe in whom they've not heard? So in other words, in order for me to speak right, to get the right result, I have got to believe right. But in order for me to believe right, I have to hear right. So that takes me all the way down. It goes one step further. And how shall they hear without a preacher? So a preacher is someone who is sent to proclaim. It, it keeps going. And how shall they preach except they be sent? See, I there is a grace for me to minister the word of God here. Why? Because I've been sent here by God. There's a grace for me to do it. This is why it's important to get planted in the church that where God wants you. Because a big part of hearing is going to be, you got to be in the right place at the right time here, right? So, so God will lead you through life. He'll plant you in the right church. You should, if you're planted in the right church, you'll connect with the pulpit. You'll just connect. Things that I say, I'll say it in a way that just fits. Well, what is that? It's not because I'm anything. It's the Holy Spirit. Like right now, the Holy Spirit is taking this message that I'm speaking to everybody, and what he's doing is he's individualizing it for everyone based on those that have ears to hear. Right? He won't force it on anybody. But like tonight, you could just sense when you come here, you guys are a bunch of hungry people. You know, I'm hungry. So he's, he's dividing it for me. I'm believing God. I'm expecting answers to come while I'm preaching tonight, right? I'm believing for utterance. I mean, this is, we're all in this thing together because the Holy Spirit is the teacher. So it's so important. You got to be in the right place. Even Psalm 1-1 talks about don't get in the wrong place. Don't walk, stand, or sit in certain places because if you're hearing the wrong things, you're going to start believing the wrong things. And if you start believing the wrong things, you're going to start speaking the wrong things and you're going to get a wrong result, something that God never designed for you to have. Does that make sense? So this is a huge thing. So let's go back now. We talked, we were in Romans chapter 7. And so we, we went through pretty much, I read the whole chapter to you last time, but we talked about this conflict that we have. Romans chapter 7, one of the most misunderstood books in the New Testament. You know, Paul is describing his own personal conflict, the thing that I want to do, I don't do, the thing that I don't want to do, I do. And then at the end of this chapter, he says, who is going to deliver me from the body of this sin? Because see, I have, I am a spirit. I possess a soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions, and I live in a body. When I received Christ, my spirit man was made brand new. My spirit man cannot sin. My spirit man just wants to walk in the love of God, walk by faith, be one with God all the time. Then God says this, you have the first fruits of your salvation. You're brand new on the inside but you still have 
this soulish realm, your mind, your will, and your emotions, you have to renovate that, right? You have to renew your mind. The only one, there's only one thing on the planet that will renew your mind. The Bible says as you, as you make a decision to implant this word in your spirit, man, it will bring salvation to your soul, wholeness to your soul. It's God's will, the Word of God tells us, that every plant in your mind that was not planted by God, His will is to uproot that and completely pull that out of you. He wants to renovate your thinking. Well, but He, he can't force that on you. You have to want to do that. So you have to renew your mind with the Word of God. And because you have this sin nature in your flesh still, you're going to have to keep this flesh under control. You can't renew or renovate your flesh. It doesn't matter how much you grow spiritually, your flesh is always going to want to pull you a different direction. Right? Bummer. And everybody said, thank you, Adam. Right? <laughs> the only problem when we get to heaven, we're not going to give him a hard time because we're all going to just see it clearly. Yeah, we did the same thing. Right? Maybe he lasted longer before eating that apple. I don't know. Right? And we're going to find out it wasn't the woman's fault. You know, you've heard that joke, right, forever. Where would man be if it wasn't for women? Well, we'd be in the garden. No, no, sorry, guys. Because Eve was deceived, but Adam wasn't. Adam heard the word face-to-face -face from God where he said, don't do it. And Adam made a choice. He just committed high treason. Like we do, don't we? Have you ever committed a sin where you knew it was wrong? To be honest with you, everybody would have to raise their hands because you're born again. Because your spirit man's going, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> but your flesh is down there going, do it, do it, do it, right? It's loud, right? And if you don't renew your mind, well, let's just read what happens. Verse 22 of Romans chapter 7. Here's Paul. He's saying, for I delight, Romans 7, 22, for I delight in the law of God after my inward man, after my spirit. But I see another law in my members, in my flesh, warring against the law of my mind. Notice, your flesh doesn't war against your spirit. It wars against your mind. The law of the mind says this, if you deposit the word in your heart, all the behavior comes forth from that. So the, your flesh will keep you, try to keep you from ever getting in the word. Right? Don't read your Bible. Listen to more worship music. Well, you can get some stuff out of worship. It's wonderful. We're talking about that. The secret place is the source of our strength and joy. But, but if, you, if you cause that worship to take the place of the Word, now you're violating the Word because everything is founded upon the Word of God. So Satan's going to not want you to ever read your Bible, listen to the Word. He'll try to separate you from everybody or everything that could put the Word in you, right? Because if he could separate you from the Word, then you can't be in faith. You can't receive anything from God. You're just going to be frustrated. So here we go. It says, but I see another law in my members, in my flesh, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me the spirit man that I am, into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. 
So this is what happens. We talked about this last week. So if you don't, if you have not started and continuing every day, I'm, I'm in the process of renewing and renovating my mind. If you're not doing it, what'll happen is your flesh is gonna always try to pull your mind to live away contrary to God's word, always. And if you're not renewing your mind, your unrenewed mind will side with your flesh and now you'll go that way and you'll commit sinful or unrighteous behavior. And it doesn't break your relationship with God because you're still his child, but it does break your fellowship with God. So this is why we have 1 John 1, 9 to maintain our fellowship, okay? We talked a lot about that. I would encourage you to go back. This is something because of, because of religion and some of the stuff we've been taught it takes us a long time to ever figure out that this is all about Jesus. It's not about me doing it. It's about me allowing Jesus to do it. So it says here, here's Paul talking, verse 24, Oh, wretched, this means afflicted, enduring toils and troubles, man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Notice he didn't say what, he said who. Because it's not a what. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the deliverer. And guess what? Jesus is not going to deliver any of us from our sin. He's already delivered us. Right? It says here, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God. Now he's giving us the answer. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, God has past tense delivered me from the body of this death through Jesus Christ my Lord. So as I stand here tonight, as you sit here tonight, you are delivered. Isn't that good news? Not going to be, already are. So then Paul says this, so then with the mind, I myself, my spirit man, serve the law of God. And this word serve, we went into this last week. It literally means, as see, I myself, my spirit, I serve the law of God. This means I yield my thoughts to the whole counsel of God. My spirit man, I yield myself to the whole counsel of God. Whatever his word says, I'm doing it. Right? I make this decision. But with the flesh, the law of sin. And now he's going to jump into chapter 8 and he's going to tell us, he's going to explain exactly how to escape the flesh and walk in the spirit. Because here's the thing, if you walk and live out of your spirit, It'll produce life and peace. You'll say the right thing. But if you live out of your flesh, your speech is going to be wrong. Why? Because you're going to be thinking wrong. You're going to be hearing wrong. You'll believe wrong, right? And you'll call wrong and you'll get the wrong results. So we want to stay out of our flesh. We want to live in the Spirit, and we can do that because of what Jesus has done for us. So let's look at this right now. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. 
we're talking literally about the foundation of our confession. Paul says this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is the victory chapter. He's saying, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now. Isn't that awesome? There is therefore now. What do you mean now? Now that Jesus has come out of the grave, now that I have received him and I've been born again, there is no condemnation for me anymore. This word condemnation means there's no penalty. This Greek word means there's no damnatory sentence. There's no possibility of a verdict uh, being given to me contrary to freedom now. There, it's over. This word goes on to mean there's no condemnation. It means the passing of a sentence and judgment against someone. There can never be a judgment. There can never be a, a sentence given me. There can never be a guilty verdict given to me again because I'm in Christ. Now you could sit there and go, okay, I got it, Pastor, got it. But what happens when you go home tonight and kick the cat because you got in your flesh? Or you tell your, you say something to your wife or kids that you shouldn't say? And the enemy's on your shoulder, what's he doing? Condemning you. What happens when you're, you know, you find yourself in a location where you shouldn't be or looking at something you shouldn't look at? You know it's wrong. Your spirit's going, don't do it. Right? Now's when you need to know that I'm in Christ. There's no sentence. There's no verdict. There's no more condemnation. It can't possibly be. Why? Well, we're going to see why here in a minute. Because, But I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in on it. All of your sin was already condemned in the body of Jesus. Isn't that? That's amazing. See, as simple as that is, this is why. This is why believers are not leading other believers to the Lord. They don't have a revelation of this. How simple but how powerful this is. Then it says this. It's real interesting. Now remember, every translation is based on two things. The translator's knowledge of the original languages, right? And the King James Version is a word-for-word -word translation. But it's also based on their belief about who God is. And what I love about the King James Version is there's no gray area. You can tell if this translator had problems. Like in the book of Psalms, it says, he's made us a little lower than the angels. And you read that, but if you look at the Hebrew word, it, it literally in the Hebrew, it says, God's made us a little lower than Elohim, than God. But the translator who knew Elohim was the word for God, everywhere it's translated God, he's going, wait a minute. Man's a lowly wretch. So let me just throw angel in there because that, that, that fits more in my doctrine. Right? But in the King James Version, you could tell that. So it's wonderful. We see that in the same thing right here because in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says this, Right after it says, There's now no, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And then it says this, Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
And immediately, this is why everybody gets messed up here. Because they're thinking like, well, wait a minute. So according to this, I'm, I'm in Christ if I'm walking after the Spirit. But if I'm walking after the flesh, then I'm not in Christ. And immediately you'll start getting confused and have a lot of problems because does that mean I'm no longer saved? Right? So, but if you do some study, you see that that phrase, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit, is not in any of the modern or the most sound or even the oldest manuscripts. That phrase is only in verse 4. Now, I say verse, we put it in verses. It's a letter. It was just a letter. So what the translator did, he moved that up that was just a little, le little later in the letter. A few, just a, like we say verse, but it would be like the next sentence. It was there. But if you take this out, now it'll make a lot more sense to you. Because in the book of Romans, like in all of Paul's epistles, if you do not understand positional truth versus temporal truth, you won't figure this out. And see, what happens, if you don't learn about this, you'll think, if I do good, okay, then I'm, I guess I'm saved. I'm in Christ. But if I don't do good, then I'm not saved. Well, that doesn't make any sense. And you'll never real, it'll, it'll bring confusion. But there's no confusion in the word. Positional truth. I am in Christ. I am actually positionally seated with him in heavenly places in Christ right now. Positionally. Temporally, that has to do with my behavior. Temporally, or my natural walk. Temporally, I'm at Faith Family Church preaching to you guys. Positionally, I'm in heaven. Does that make sense? So you got to understand this. Anytime you see in him, in whom, in Christ, that's positional truth. can never be changed. It's positionally who you are. All right? So let's look at this a little bit. This verse 1 is saying that the law of sin and death could not be broken by behavior. This is why when you understand this, the whole first half of that verse, there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. That's positional truth. And then who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. It's temporal truth. That can't be together. Right? See, see, the law of sin and death can never be broken by your behavior. The law of sin and death, literally, as we're going to see in, in verse 3, the law of sin and death at its very core is selfishness and self-centeredness. What literally will manifest when, you're, when you are literally operating the law of sin and death, fear will manifest all the time, and fear will connect you to everything that the enemy can do to steal, kill, and destroy. But the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, which has made me free from the law of sin and death, that is literally the love of God. And what flows out of that is faith, which attaches me to everything 
that my Father has given me in Christ. So we have to get this right. Listen, your behavior is not going to get you healed. Does that make sense? Now, the other ditch is thinking that I can do anything I want to do and still walk in the blessing of God. Well, no, that's not true either. What's the difference? See, my behavior can never get God to do anything for me. Why? Well, because God's already done everything for me. It's not a matter. God's not watching your behavior and going, okay, I could give Pastor Edwin this now. Nope. It's already been given to Pastor Edwin, and now it's just a matter of him laying hold of it. Now, if he chooses to violate the word of God, he's not in a position. Have you ever been there? Everything within you is going, you got to forgive this person. This is keeping you from laying hold of something. But you're not willing to. You're not in a position to receive. Does that make sense? And, and, and you won't be able to seize hold of it because you're not in position. So temporal truth, you're walking, you're dwelling, right? Positional truth, you're in him, in whom? So look at 2 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ. Is that temporal or, or positional? Positional, because it's in Christ. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So in other words, positionally, everything changes. The old position of man's spirit is changed now. You have a completely different position in Christ. So now let's jump back to verse 2 of Romans chapter 8. Let's look at what it says. Now this is a big, big foundational verse. I just explained it. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ? Okay, so the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, where you and I are at, has not set me free, but made me free from the law of sin and death, which is working in my members. I've already, because I'm in Christ, I've, I've already... I've, I mean, can everybody get excited about the fact that, you know, when we get to heaven, we won't have to deal with our flesh? But guess what? You've already been made free. Your flesh cannot dominate you. Sin cannot dominate you. No addiction can hold you. No sin habit can hold you. You have to know this. Why? Because of who you've been made in Christ. This is the road, this is the road to walking free from sin. This is the road to walking holy before God. This is it. If you don't see this, you'll always be trying to be good enough. You'll do, remember the Romans chapter 7, the roller coaster. You sin, then you repent. Then you sin, and then you repent. And then you sin, 
and then you repent. And so many people, after a while, they just give up. A lot of times they'll stay in church for a while, but they're not reading their Bible, they're not really praying. Everything about their life is condemning them, right? When it doesn't have to. When you realize that in Christ, when you got born again, you were made free. Free to be free. Free to lay hold of everything that God has provided for you. Everything. Isn't that awesome? So let's go with this. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. In other words, the law that brought me into salvation made me free from the law of sin and death. So here it is. Here's this law that was given in the Old Testament. It showed man, <clears throat> showed man that he was a sinner and showed him that he was going to need a Savior. But now we have the Savior. Isn't that awesome? So we, we're not under the law anymore. Now we're under grace. See, there's no condemnation. No condemnation for me now. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is dwelling in me. John 17, 3 says this, and this is life eternal. What is it? That they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Salvation is simply knowing God. And God did everything for you and I so that we can know him. That's why he put a new spirit in you. So that the Holy Spirit could come and dwell in your spirit. So that you can know all those things that have been freely given to you by God. It says here, 1 John 4, 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Isn't that good news? Verse 3 of Romans chapter 8. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, now that's a little vague, in the literal Greek it would read like this, and as a substitute for sin, condemned sin. That means in the body of Jesus, the sin nature was condemned and all the sin that was part of that. And condemned sin in the flesh. Or you could read it this way, in the flesh of Jesus. All of man's sin was condemned in the flesh of Jesus. The wages of sin is death. Nobody has to, nobody ever has to see spiritual death. The sad thing about hell is man that re refuses, refuses that sacrifice and chooses to live for himself will stand before God and be judged for all the sins of his life that have already been paid for. But he just said no. He said, no, I don't want that. It's, it's sad. It's sad. But that's not us, right? Now, this is what I want you to see. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his son, his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. I want you to see this. 
Condemnation is on sin. This is why there's no condemnation for you. Because your sin was condemned in him. Isn't it crazy how Satan is piling condemnation on believers and there's no condemnation on a believer? Condemnation is on sin, but that sin was already paid for. So now everything the enemy's lying to you about, why you can't be healed, why you can't walk in this, all this stuff, how lowly you are of a worm and how it's never, you're not smart enough, you can't do it, there's no hope for you, it's all a lie. Condemnation is on sin. And your sin has already been condemned in the body of Jesus. It's, it's gone. He says it over and over in the word, doesn't he? All, it's, it's been removed as far as the east is from the west. I will remember your sin no more. See, God does not see you in sin anymore. And we've thought it's because, well, now he sees me with rose-colored glasses. This is what I was taught when I was growing up. He sees me in Christ. But you know why he doesn't see you in sin anymore? Is because you're not. He remembers your sin no more. You know how God is able to do that? Because your sin is no more. There's nothing to remember. Now, I know this seems so simple, but I'm telling you, even as I'm saying this, I could sense people going, that's so awesome. I, but, but, uh, right? Why? Because there might be some things in your life tonight that you know you're doing the wrong thing. And you might be fooling everybody around you, but that inner turmoil is still there with you. Here's the way out. Realizing that you're not a sinner. Realizing that what you've done or what you've even are doing is not who you are, that will bring a power of the love of God in your life when you realize he's made me free and you'll be able to now walk free from it to where that sinful and unrighteous behavior, not nature, because your nature doesn't change when you sin. Why? Because it's not, Paul said two times in chapter seven, it's not even I that sin. It's the sin nature in my flesh. Boy, theologians have a big problem with that. But he said it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news? So I love it because the Lord came to me one time and said, Tony, I can't wait till you meet yourself. And boy, do I know what that means now. And see, this is what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll pull out of the inside who you really are. Don't, don't look in a mirror and judge all of your actions by who you are. Because if you're not hooked up here, if you're not meditating in this word day and night, if he's not first in your life, you don't even know who you are. And you'll be living life on a much lower level where all the pressure is on you to do this, to get the job, to be successful, to make enough money. And then the whole world system, the more money you have, the more influence you'll have. Right? 
And the more you do outwardly, this is what makes you so special. But no, 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 no. Satan's always going to come against your identity. And your identity is not in what you drive or what you wear or what you have. It's in whose you are. And when you realize that, oh, what you're driving will change, where you're living will change, what you're dressed in will change, your giving will change, everything will change, and none of it will have you anymore. Because your identity is in, oh my gosh, the God of heaven loves me, and he's with me. And this will cause me to run till I get this in abundance in my heart, and it'll come out of my mouth. And I'll no longer be mechanical with this deal. I'll be flowing, walking in the love of God. I'm full of the Spirit of God. Now when somebody cuts me off or does something or whatever, I'm not even considering myself. Right? And I'll, and I'll literally walk by the faith of God. So all of a sudden, I'm not looking at the outward circumstances to determine the result. I'm looking at this to determine the result. Who has believed our report? Isaiah 53, 1. And to whom will the arm of the manifest presence of God be revealed? It'll be revealed to the person who believes a report. Do you know that that word, believe, whoever believes the report? Literally, it says, whoever will choose to believe this report... Do you know that word report? It literally means the thing heard. The, the partner Greek word to that is faith comes by hearing. Everything has to do with hearing. God will help you tonight to be who you are. Once we receive salvation, there is no more condemnation even when we allow the sin nature to dominate us. Boy, people get mad when you preach that. But you know, they got mad when Paul preached that. They said, don't believe this guy. He's just giving you a license to sin. They'll say that today. But the reality of it is, have you ever needed a license to sin? No, we just do it. But you don't have to. You don't have to miss it anymore. And the road to not missing it, this is the road, knowing who you are in him. Wow, that's good preaching. Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law, look at that, might be fulfilled in us. What? Might? Yeah, notice it said might. That the righteousness of the law Oh, it might be fulfilled in us. Well, what do you mean might? Well, it's up to you to decide. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, that it's supposed to be in verse 4. It's right there in every manuscript. The purpose of the law was to reveal sin. The righteousness of the law can be fulfilled in our earthly walk if we walk after the Spirit. You choose to allow your mind to side with your spirit, and this is how the righteousness is fulfilled in us. It's living out of your spirit. Verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind, what this means, they pay attention to, 
to the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, now this is talking about the human spirit, talking about living out of your spirit, even though it's capitalized, the things of the Spirit. This whole passage is connecting, it's, it's comparing walking out of your flesh or walking out of your spirit. Verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you choose to pay attention to carnal things, natural things, the natural circumstances of your life, according to this scripture, it can't produce life. That's, that's amazing. But if you choose to live out of your spirit, what do I mean by that? That's where your spirit is literally walking out under the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit. It, it could only produce life and peace. And that word life is zoe. It's the God quality of life. In other words, if your works are motivated or motivated by your flesh, they will produce death. Another passage of scripture calls that wood, hay, and stubble. If your works are motivated by your spirit, they will produce life and peace, gold and precious stones. I'll read Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 to you real quick. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, it really, it's interesting. This is a letter to the church at Sardis. This is one of the letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. The first three chapters of the book of Revelation are really the chapters that pertain to us because we're out of here. The church is never mentioned after the third chapter. But he says this, and unto the angel, now that word angel literally, he, they use this word angel, it means messenger. I think they were probably trying to protect the pastors, but this letter was written to the pastor of this church. Unto the angel or pastor of the church in Sardis write, These things says he that hath or that holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm the one who's in control of everything. Right? I know your works and that you have a name. This Greek word name, it literally means and you have a reputation. Jesus is saying, I know your works. I have firsthand knowledge of your works because I've seen them. I'm there. I'm watching them. And I know you have a reputation that you live. This Greek word means your reputation is you're full of life, you're safe, you're secure, and you're invincible. Jesus is saying, guys, everything's in my control, and I have personally, I'm in your life, I'm watching your works, but I also no, you have a reputation with everybody else. And your reputation is you're invincible, you're secure, you're safe, you're full of life. You look really good on the outside. But this is what Jesus said, and art dead. He says, I know your reputation that you're really alive, but I'm saying you're dead. Now this word dead is real this, this, or, or art dead. This phrase in the Greek means that you're slowly, temporarily, I don't know how I got here, but I'm dead. I'm moving in a direction, and I don't even know why or how, but I'm moving in this direction. 
Have you ever come to yourself and realized, wow. You know, after you come through something where you're just living a certain way, and finally you turn back to God and you're just like, wow. God, how did I get here? I don't even know how I got here, but all of a sudden, man, I'm just, I'm in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. This is what he's talking about. How did these people at the church at Sardis, how did they get there? Their works were motivated by the sin nature in their flesh. That's it. But all of their sin was condemned in the body of Jesus. So they were walking in a bunch of nonsense that they didn't have to walk in. James 1.14, and I'm kind of closing down here. James 1.14 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. This Greek word literally means and baited. Satan will try to draw you away by your own lust and he'll try to bait you. How does he do that? He's throwing thoughts in your mind. Verse 15, Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and when sin, or and when it is finished, it brings forth death. Notice, it says, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. Isn't it interesting? Although Satan baits us, we still have to choose it. Right? Wow. So Romans 8, 7, as we come down to the close here. Because the carnal mind is at enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Why is that? Well, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. If you're living out of your flesh, you're not walking by faith. Does that make sense? That's all he's saying here. Only faith pleases God. Verse 9, but you are not in the flesh. Look at Paul. He is saying to these Roman Christians, but guys, you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if so be, the Spirit of God dwell in you. So how, what is the litmus test to whether you're in Christ or not? To whether you're walking according to your Spirit or not? See, if you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you're in Christ, and now sin has no dominion over you. So Paul is saying, guys, you're not in the flesh. Don't let your flesh pull you. You're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. You're a spirit being. You're in Christ. You have, sin has no dominion over you. You don't ever have to go that road. Why? Who has delivered me from this body of this mess? Jesus has. Isn't that good news? You're in the spirit, if so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Wow. Now, we got to close at verse 10. And if Christ be in you. How many, how many is Christ in? All of you, right? I know that. The body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life 
because of righteousness. How are you going to talk right? This night, how the power of your confession flows out of a proper identity. Who you are in Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You're brand new. All your sin was condemned in the body of Jesus. Now, sin will not dominate your life anymore, so you don't have to choose it. When you realize that God has made you free, now you're going to run to him. All things are possible. You'll know that God is with you, that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. When you get a revelation of this, it'll change your life forever. You're, we're not trying to be successful. We already are. So then, all the stuff in our life that's not success, it has to leave. And God will turn it as we are positioned correctly. Does that make sense? This is so important that you get this. We'll talk more about it. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus.